Tort from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. If you're dreaming of a white Christmas, well, keep on dreaming. Not going to happen this year. Even those with deep snows today, you'll see that white stuff melt away. A warm-up is on the way. Christmas Day will feature above normal temperatures, near 50 degrees in spots. Meantime, hundreds of thousands remain without power from that monster nor'easter that clobbered the coast yesterday. Reporter Emily Aketa gets us started. Millions of Americans still dealing with the impacts of a deadly winter wallop. The risk of flooding high in communities near swollen rivers across the Northeast. The water was waist deep in parts of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York while gale force winds knocked down power lines in Massachusetts and Maine. At least four deaths blamed on the storms, including one in the Hudson Valley. Israel's president said today he is open to a second ceasefire with Hamas if it wins the release of more hostages in Gaza. Mideast scholar Dan Sinor. The Israeli government is under enormous pressure to get some more of the hostages back. The tension from the hostage families is growing. Now, the logistics of these things and the implementation get really tricky. Over 100 hostages are thought to be still alive in Gaza. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says Israel is fighting an evil force in Hamas. Hamas has clearly and loudly spelled out its vision of the future. And it is to repeat October 7th over and over and over again. That said, Austin cautions Israel to curtail attacks near civilian population centers. Protecting Palestinian civilians in Gaza is both a moral duty and a strategic imperative. The defense chief also announcing today that the U.S. will lead an international naval force of 10 countries to protect ships from terror attacks in the Red Sea. Reporter Haley Jackson. Now, U.S. ships are in the region, but it's really not likely that they would escort every commercial ship through. It's more likely to be kind of a zone defense, if you will. And that's coming, of course, as defense officials warn of the global economic impact if those commercial vessels are not able to get through. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels have attacked commercial vessels in the Red Sea no fewer than a hundred times since the Israel-Hamas war began. America saying goodbye today to the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. Sandra Day O'Connor being eulogized at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. She died December 1st at the age of 93. Texas crackdown. Governor Abbott has signed a tough new immigration law. It allows police to arrest migrants who illegally cross the southern border. Abbott says he's taking action because the White House won't. Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself. The goal of Senate Bill 4 is to stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas. The governor says by allowing police to deport migrants, illegal immigration should decrease by up to 75%. That law takes effect in March. Civil rights groups are planning an appeal. A new Monmouth University poll shows the president's approval rating has slipped to an all-time low of just 34%. Former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer says there's a good chance 
Biden won't make it through the DNC convention next summer. I think there is a 50-50 chance that Joe Biden is going to get dumped by the Democrats at the Democratic convention in August. You look at Democrats, senators, congressmen, the people who have to run for re-election. Do they really want an unpopular 81-year-old at the top of the ticket right before the election? Chris Bedford with the Common Sense Society says the one thing on the president's side here is time. And that's that's something that Republicans ought to be worried about here is that Joe Biden seeming to show massive collapse at the polls. But we're still pretty far out from this election. If you're the other party, if you're the Republican Party, you want to see this kind of collapse in Joe Biden's popularity two months before the election, not now. The Monmouth poll shows Vice President Harris enjoys a higher approval rating than her boss, the president. U.S. Steel is being taken over by a Japanese company. Nippon Steel has agreed to pay $55 per share in cash for U.S. Steel, headquartered in Pittsburgh. The historic American company, whose founders include J.P. Morgan and Andrew Carnegie, will become a wholly owned subsidiary of Nippon Steel, creating the world's third largest steelmaker by volume in an industry increasingly dominated by Chinese rivals. Lucy Craft, Tokyo. Hundreds were killed today in a powerful earthquake in northwest China. Chinese television shows scenes of devastation. More than 150,000 buildings have been damaged or destroyed, and survivors are shivering in sub-zero temperatures in makeshift camps. The freezing temperatures lowering hopes of finding more survivors amid the rubble. Reporter Vicki Barker, a new Harvard-Harris poll shows 60% of college-age kids in this country think the October 7th terror attack on Israel was justified. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen support for a terrorist group. I've never seen such upside-down attitudes because none of these kids really have a thorough understanding, and they only know what they've been told. They have no historical sense. Polster Mark Penn. We have a huge Gen Z divide here. When you're in 18 to 24, you are in a completely different environment and far removed from what everybody else in the United States believes. The poll also finds 53% of Gen Zers think it's okay for students to call for the genocide of Jews. Fire and ice. What a scene overseas. A volcano spewed plumes of fire into the night sky in Iceland. Correspondent Molly Hunter. The pictures are just unbelievable. Now the good news right now, Icelandic officials are saying that the eruption is not currently life-threatening. It could last, though, anywhere from a week to 10 days. But once that molten hot lava starts running and starts moving, it becomes impossible to stop. The volcanic eruption happened on a peninsula that was evacuated several weeks ago. Just seeing lava emerge from the ground, just fascinating to see just nature in action. It's just like something from a movie. The volcano shot lava more than 300 feet into the air there in Iceland overnight. In the Battle of the Birds, the Seattle Seahawks took down the Philadelphia Eagles last night. End zone! It is caught! Touchdown, Seattle! The 92-yard game-winning drive capped off with a last-minute touchdown. The Eagles have lost three straight. Randy has more in sports on the way. Also ahead on the Noon Report, food prices in Pennsylvania, Chick-fil-A on the thruway, and the Bat Dog in Rochester. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. A little bit of winter returned to our region this morning. 
uh, look ahead to the next couple days in your forecast. That's coming up in 10. Okay, Cam, we should mention a flood warning remains in effect for parts of Broome, Shenango, Cortland, Otsego, and Delaware counties in upstate New York. Rainfall reports range anywhere from two to as much as almost four inches, which is a lot of rain for December. Dave Nicosia with the National Weather Service. All the small streams and creeks, they've crested, and now all that water is now heading into the Susquehanna and some of the bigger rivers. The rain-swollen Susquehanna continues to spill its banks near Bainbridge in Shenango County. There's also flood warnings still in effect in northeastern Pennsylvania. The deal to sell Pittsburgh-based U.S. Steel is coming under fire. U.S. Senator John Fetterman says that multi-billion dollar deal with Japan-based Nippon Steel is bad news for Pennsylvania. I've always maintained that steel is security, national security, and the fact that now they're uh, claiming that they're going to sell this to a, a, a foreign uh, company, um, it's, it's outrageous. Pennsylvania's senior U.S. Senator Bob Casey says U.S. Steel should remain under American ownership. Pennsylvania Congressman Glenn Thompson gave us an update today on his cancer treatment. You don't ever want to get diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I will say, though, God is good. I've got a great care team and a great prayer team. The 64-year-old was diagnosed with prostate cancer earlier this month. I've started treatments actually just yesterday. That will continue, and then uh, sometime in January, I'll start some chemotherapy. The Center County Republican has been in Congress since 2009. He says he wears his cancer diagnosis as a badge of honor. You know, God is good. Sometimes people view prostate cancer as uh, one of those things. It's a reward you get for some men for living long enough. GT, as he's known, told us he fully intends to run for re-election next year. New York Democrats are taking aim at Chick-fil-A. They've introduced a bill in Albany requiring all restaurants on the thruway be open seven days a week. That's a problem for Chick-fil-A, which is closed on Sunday. Sunday, Christmas Eve, thousands of New Yorkers are traveling. You know, we get hungry when we're traveling. To find one of our restaurants closed in the thruway is just not in the public good. Assemblyman Tony Simone's Rest Stop Restaurant Act requires companies contracted to provide food service on the thruway remain open seven days a week. Well, the, the thruways are, are meant to serve New York travelers first. And I think it's ridiculous that you are able to close on Sunday, one of the busiest travel days of the week. Ever since the first Chick-fil-A opened in Georgia in 1946, that restaurant has been closed on Sunday. It is Christian-owned. There are 10 Chick-fil-A's at the 27 Thruway plazas in New York. Driver distraction is most pronounced this time of year. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. A new study by the company Cambridge Mobile Telematics says Christmas Day and New Year's Day are the most distracted driving days of the year. The study shows that on average around the holidays, drivers spend just over two minutes per hour using their phones behind the wheel. On Christmas Day and New Year's Day, it increases 10 to 12 percent. According to the company, the surge in distracted driving on Christmas has resulted in 2,000 additional crashes, five fatalities, and $47 million in economic damages over the past three years. Christmas also sees the most speeding of any day. So as you travel in the week to come, make sure you put the phone down and slow down during this holiday season. 
Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, good advice. Thank you, Brian. Substance abuse disorder becoming more commonplace in new or expected mothers. Dr. Gail Burstein is the Erie County, New York Health Commissioner. People who are, are pregnant and postpartum are in a very vulnerable periods of their life. Statistics show overdose deaths among pregnant and postpartum women tripled between 2018 and last year in women ages 35 to 44. A death of a uh, a pregnant person or a postpartum person is tragic because, you know, it's not just one life, it's two lives. Burstein says mothers who learn to value their life as a woman also tend to value their life with a child. Food prices in Pennsylvania increased by more than 8% this year. That's the highest amount of any state in the country. Pet food, baby formula, and candy costs were the leading factors in the jump in prices at the grocery store. Climate activists rallied Monday at the New York State Capitol. They've declared war on fossil fuels and want the Empire State to make the transition to renewable energy. State Assemblywoman Pat Fahey thinks the cost of going green is well worth it. $50 million is, is a lot of money even by New York standards. But in the end, renewable energy will save us. Critics contend the electrification of the Empire State will bankrupt New York and cause more people and businesses to flee. An ex-New York State trooper's been sentenced in connection to a multi-million dollar gambling ring. 52-year-old Thomas Loki will spend the next two years on probation for interfering with a federal investigation. As part of his punishment, the ex-cop must pay a fine and perform a hundred hours of community service. Good government groups are backing a New York ethics panel as it fights a lawsuit by former governor Andrew Cuomo. It's related to the $5 million Andrew Cuomo got for writing a book on how he handled New York's COVID crisis. The suit he brought trying to disband the New York Ethics Commission is all about protecting his money. A judge ordered the panel to stop investigating Cuomo's book deal while the court determines whether the law creating the panel is constitutional. Government reform groups like Common Cause, the New York Public Interest Group, Reinvent Albany, and the NYC Bar Association say it is. Cuomo says it's not. An appellate court will decide in February. Sarah Lee Kessler, New York. You've heard of Bat Boys. How about Bat Dogs? The Rochester Red Wings AAA baseball team training a brand new Bat Dog for next year's season. His name is Bruce and the team posted video of Bruce yesterday running around innovative field practicing fetching bats. Let's hope he brings them back. Let's switch gears, get you caught up on sports. It's the two-minute drill on Family Life. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Philadelphia Eagles are heading in the wrong direction after dropping their third straight game in the Monday night matchup. Drew Locke marched the Seahawks down the field on a 92-yard drive and scored the winning touchdown on a 29-yard pass with a minute and a half left in the game. Then Julian Love picked off Jalen Hurts for the second time in the fourth quarter to seal the win for Seattle, 20-17. Philly now 10-4 on the season. They are in second place in the NFC East. 
In the NBA, the Knicks went west and knocked off the Lakers 114-109. Jalen Brunson had a team-high 29 points, while Julius Randle had a double-double, 27 points and 14 boards. Emmanuel quickly came off the bench to score 20 in New York's well-balanced attack. Joel Embiid scored 40 points and grabbed 14 rebounds, but his efforts were not enough to keep the Sixers' winning streak going. It ends at 6 after the Bulls beat Philadelphia 108-104. The Nets dropped their third in a row, 125-108 against the Jazz. Other winners on the hardwood, the Cavs, Clippers, Hawks, T-Wolves, Raptors, Thunder, Nuggets, and Kings. On the ice, the Penguins' captain, Sidney Crosby, lit the lamp late in the third to give the Pens a 4-3 win over the Wild. Also scoring for Pittsburgh, Riley Smith, Jake Gunzel, and Evgeny Malkin. Anaheim edged Detroit 4-3. The Canadiens were 3-2 overtime winners over the Jets. The Stars also won in overtime 4-3 over the Kraken. And the Flames defeated Florida 3-1. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, Texas plan to slow the flow. Coping with Christmas if you're lonely. And talk of a second ceasefire. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. At the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In the beloved movie The Princess Bride, the character Rosini frequently cries inconceivable about things that keep on happening. Finally, another character observes, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. For me, that scene comes to mind annually when Merriam-Webster Dictionary announces its word of the year. The announcement is intended to recognize words that have defined our cultural moment. In recent years, however, it tends to recognize words that our cultural moment has redefined. For example, last year's word gaslighting describes unhealthy behavior in which someone tries to manipulate you into questioning your sanity. However, just like the word toxic before it, gaslighting is now a catch-all term used by some to shut down pretty much anyone who disagrees with them. This year's word is authentic, which the dictionary defines as, quote, not false or imitation, real, actual, or worthy of acceptance or belief as conforming to or based on fact. However, today, the context in which this word is most frequently and passionately used is in the debate over gender identity, as in be your authentic self. So now it refers to anything but real or conformity to fact. To be authentic in 2023 often means stubbornly ignoring fact, hormonally masking or surgically reconstructing fact, demanding that others also ignore fact in classrooms, in competitions, in locker rooms, and in print. Theologian Carl Truman documented how we got to this place in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And this new definition of authenticity is part of that story, that living a fulfilling life means primarily looking within, discovering who you quote-unquote truly are, and then projecting that identity into the world. This is all central to his account. Truman explains, quote, Expressive individualism particularly refers to the idea that in order to be fulfilled, in order to be an authentic person, in order to be genuinely me, I need to be able to express outwardly or perform publicly that which I feel I am inside. In a society where the expressive individual was increasingly the norm and increasingly presented as that which we should all be, then the idea of society itself forcing us to play a role that we don't feel comfortable with inside makes us inauthentic. 
The real problem with all of this is that this new definition of authentic is, well, just utter nonsense. Truth is not primarily subjective. It's objective. Reality is not decided by individuals. It's given by a creator. And one of the things our creator both demands of us and enables us to do through redemption is to conform our inner selves to his will and to his design, which he reveals objectively in both creation and in Holy Scripture. In other words, to be authentically me is to be who God says I am. Our identity is established by, guaranteed by, secured in Jesus Christ. Even more important than getting words right is pointing to the reality to which words refer and to which words are permanently tethered. Words become nonsense otherwise, and that should be enough to make this whole practice of redefining words what is truly inconceivable. Now, before I sign off today, I just wanted to say thank you for making Breakpoint a part of your Christian worldview diet this year. Everywhere that I travel, I meet our listeners who share how these daily doses of clarity have helped them to think more biblically, to have hard conversations, to disciple their own kids and grandkids. And if Breakpoint's been this kind of a help to you and your family, would you please consider making a year-end gift of support. You can do this by visiting colsoncenter.org slash give. That's colsoncenter.org slash give. For Breakpoint, I'm John Stone Street. Thank you, John. Outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon is for some leftover lake snow and flurries in central New York. Could be a localized accumulation of an inch or two there, but elsewhere, just a few flurries, a few breaks in the clouds, and temperatures holding nearly steady, mostly in the 20s, low 30s in eastern Pennsylvania. Clearing out tonight and cold, low temps upper teens to mid-20s. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, high temps, 30s to near 40. Thursday, variable clouds and sun, chance of a flurry and high temperatures in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening Tuesday, December 19th. The president of Israel said today he is open to a second ceasefire with Hamas in Gaza to get humanitarian aid in and hostages out. The terror group still holding over 100 hostages in the Palestinian territory. Defense Secretary Austin says the U.S. will lead a 10-nation naval force in the Red Sea. It's designed to stop attacks on commercial vessels by Iranian-backed rebels. Here's reporter Holly Williams. The USS Carney, an American Navy destroyer, is in the Red Sea, shooting down drones and missiles fired from Houthi-controlled territory. The Houthis now control swaths of territory on the Red Sea, connecting to the Suez Canal and carrying up to 15% of global trade. But several shipping companies have now paused their operations there. Rerouting via the entire continent of Africa can add 10 days or more. And experts say that's going to affect the price of everything from food to clothes to cars. A funeral for the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court is happening right now at the National Cathedral in Washington. The late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor passed away December 1st at the age of 93. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a new law that allows state police to arrest migrants who cross the border illegally. Reporter Morgan Chesky. Abbott has said this is a necessary tool to deter migrants from the ongoing influx. As you mentioned, this empowers state authorities, state troopers, sheriff's deputies, and police officers the ability to arrest migrants on state charges, uh, whereas currently they are not able to do so. Former acting ICE director Tom Homan supports the new Texas statute, saying it's the only thing the Lone Star State can do right now.
now to stop the invasion at our southern border. The Biden administration has been very successful on the open borders agenda. They haven't done a single thing to slow the flow. This isn't mismanagement. It isn't incompetence. It's by design. He ran on open borders, and you got to give him credit. He's kept his promise. The law takes effect in March. A Confederate monument that was set to be torn down from Arlington National Cemetery will stay for now. A federal judge has issued a temporary restraining order that blocks the statue's removal. Supporters of this monument argue it honors attempts at reconciliation following the Civil War. Here's historian Victor Davis Hansen. To go back now and to try to destroy what this genuine effort at reconciliation is just so hypocritical. We've got existential problems in the military and a, a monument from the Civil War about reconciliation is not one of our problems. Hansen says instead of tearing down Civil War statues, America needs to focus on why our military is the smallest it's been in 80 years. A new Monmouth University poll shows the president's approval rating at a new all-time low. Just 34% of voters like the job he's doing. Two-thirds of voters think the economy is the most pressing issue facing the country. Here's correspondent Brooke Singman. And it's not just Republicans who are unhappy with Bidenomics. So are 61% of Democrats. Only 14% of voters think they've benefited from the economic policies coming from the White House. The poll shows Vice President Harris enjoys a higher approval rating than does her boss. Harris is going on a reproductive rights freedom tour. Starting next month, she'll visit several states to promote abortion on demand. The White House hopes to use the abortion issue to drive traffic to the polls in 2024. Next at noon, how to cope with Christmas if you're lonely or alone. Our guest is Lisa Carr, host of Not Just Single on Family Life. It can be a real tough time of year for singles, Lisa. Recent poll shows as many as 70% struggle with the holidays. How come? I think part of the problem is that, you know, Christmas is a family time. And for those that really aren't surrounded by family, maybe they're estranged from family, or maybe they don't have the family that everyone else around them has, that can be a tough time. And, you know, you also have all of the Hallmark Christmas movies where everyone has their happily ever after. And it can make you feel like you're the only one that struggles with this. But I think it's important for us to remember, you know, those statistics. We are not alone. There are other people that are struggling with this. And that is a perfect time for us to reach out to each other and to be with other people maybe that are struggling at this time. Yeah, you can be lonely without being alone, whether you're single or not. Um, And you mentioned, you know, the family thing. To me, that's what Christmas is all about. I love the fact you brought up that, you know, not every family is a Hallmark Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody thinks, well, it can't get any worse. And then you meet someone else who says, oh, yeah, I can. Uh, But as a single person listening today, how do you stay connected during the Christmas season, which is supposed to be about love, joy, peace, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And very often it's none of those things. I think an important part of this is to resist the urge to be isolated. It's so easy to be isolated this time unless you're intentional about reaching out to others. We feel as single people sometimes that we're an imposition on other people. In fact, Mm -hmm. that's probably the opposite of what it would be if we reached out to someone and said, hey, would you have an opportunity to get together over this time or, you know, maybe volunteer. This would be a great time for you to volunteer, maybe at a soup kitchen or someplace where others who are alone are coming to 
kind of be connected to other people. Yeah. Lisa Carr, host of Not Just Single on Family Life, joining us today to talk about how to cope with Christmas uh, if you are uh, a single person and, you know, it's just a few days away now. And, you know, we have parties, we have things going on. We're all very, very busy. But what are some things that Christ followers can do to make? We all know people who are single. If you don't, uh, mm-hmm. get a life. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> what are some things that we can do to make singles in our lives feel less isolated this time of year? I think an important thing would be to be inclusive. You know, um, if you're having a gathering, maybe with your family, maybe reach out to someone you know that doesn't have a place to be on Christmas and say, hey, I was just wondering if you wanted to come along and, you know, hang out with us for the day. Or maybe if you're having a Christmas Eve service and you know somebody that might be alone on Christmas Eve, invite them to come along. I think it's important for us to remember that not everybody in the first Christmas story was in a family. You know, the first Christmas was for everybody. And we need to make sure that we include everybody in our celebrations. Amen. And then let's talk about what the church, I know a lot of churches have singles ministries now, but, um, you know, those that don't, and what are some things that they can do to make those who are single feel less alone, less isolated during this Christmas season? I actually have a very personal story for this. You know, growing up in my church, every year we would have during Advent an Advent lighting every Sunday morning service, and there would be some readings, and it was always done by families. And I never verbalized this, but I always was like, well, I can't ever be part of that unless I have a family. And this year I was asked to do one of them, and it made me feel so included in a way that I had never felt included in those times before. And that was such a simple thing to reach out to a single person and say, hey, would you want to do an Advent reading or maybe participate in one of the services that's going on? And it's a simple thing, but it it really meant a lot to me. And I know it would mean a lot to the people in the service. And then Lisa, before we let you go, talk to that person who may have just come out of a bad relationship, a divorce (laughs) or lost a loved one, or, you know, so many people are single. Think singlehood is a disease. It's not. It's a (laughs) blessing of God. And uh, people that uh, like you that have it so much encouragement for those who may be struggling this time of year, what word of encouragement would you leave with them? Well, I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus was single, (laughs) you know, and so he understands all that we go through as single people. And also, you know, that someone else's rejection of you does not define who you are. You are defined by who you are in Christ. Mm. And this time of year can be so hard when we see all of, you know, the love and the relationships and the families, but also remember that nothing is perfect this side of heaven, you know, and when we talk about this loneliness aspect, it is so true that so many people are lonely this time of year, and it's an important time for us to all connect to each other, remember the true meaning of Christmas, and to really focus on loving and giving grace to those around us. That is Lisa Carr, host of Not Just Single on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A little taste of winter returned to our region last night and this morning. The lake enhanced snow and snow flurries winding down now and looks fairly quiet as we head into your night tonight and your day tomorrow. Our call for this afternoon is for some leftover lake snow and flurries in central New York. Could be a localized accumulation of an inch or two there, but elsewhere just a few flurries, a few breaks in the clouds, and temperatures holding nearly steady, mostly in the 20s, low 30s in eastern Pennsylvania. Clearing out tonight in cold, low temps upper teens to mid-20s. Tomorrow, partly to 
mostly sunny. High temps, 30s to near 40. Thursday, variable clouds and sun. Chance of a flurry and high temperatures in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you. Finally at noon, if you have a pet, chances are you're buying it a Christmas gift this year. It's the thing to do for the holidays, says correspondent Bree Tennis. PetSmart says the average pet owner will drop $122 on their pets this holiday season. Market Watch says that's about 20% of the total shopping budget. They say it's all part of a bigger trend of humanization of pets, which is big with millennials and Gen Zers. 58% of pet owners say they'll splurge on toys, 39% on clothing, and 23% on a visit to the spa for their pets. I'm Bree Tennis. All right, Bree, thank you very much. Uh, let's hear it for the pets. They kind of run the show these days, don't they? That's the world we live in Tuesday, December 19th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.